Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. So it was a few hours ago, the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Boston Red Sox, and they are now 13-0 to begin the season, which ties the modern MLB record for best start. Well, the modern era of Major League Baseball goes to the start of the 20th century. So the modern era has been a very long time. My takeaway from this is how has nobody ever started 14-0? I mean, maybe maybe in the Negro Leagues, somebody started 14-0. Like when the Monarchs had Satchel Paige, like in those days. One of those teams had to start 14-0, right? Are you searching? I am actually looking up who they play tomorrow night. They're in Toronto to open a series, and the Blue Jays aren't off to a bad start at 8-4. The mid-2010s had me groomed to think, you know, the the Rays are nothing special. I think you quickly forget that they've kind of been pretty good the last four or five years, the Tampa Bay Rays. They just have. Not, just not a lot of people go to their games. Only 21,000 today. Only 21,000. That's, oh boy. Actually, now, that's... I mean, granted, afternoon game, school's still in session, you know, uh, it's mid-April, well, but... I was about to say, like, okay, like... When, when you, of course, it's inflated because of season tickets and you're trying to, keep that, trying to keep the, you know, the attendance average up. You know, nobody gives the real attendance at baseball games. So what does that really mean? Like maybe 10,000 were there? Quite possibly. I didn't give it a That's, look. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you for sure what the solid number was. I just know that it sounded like there was an okay crowd there. Well, I saw the highlights from yesterday's or not yesterday. Yeah, yesterday's Red Sox game. I caught some of it last night, and uh, the highlights and like some of the big hits in the game. Or no, maybe it was a couple of nights ago when they were hitting home runs, which is something they're doing all season. Yeah, but it was a it was a big home run game, and it it seemed like there was like it seemed like half full. Mm-hmm. Like okay, Rays, you're finally drawing some people in April. Because they're notorious, of course, for having just the terrible attendance. But that's because, of course, the ballpark, Tropicana Field, is in a horrible location. It's also rather dingy 
in the grand scheme of things? I mean, one of the interesting topics over the weekend being discussed with the Royals in pregame on TV was how bad the old facilities were in some cases. And they were talking about the new Globe Life field and the difference there as opposed to, say, having to play at the Kingdom. Hmm. And honestly... Uh, that dome, the Tropicana Dome, shows its age poorly and should really be let to left to blow up. It's funny because WWE, the last uh, fifth, oh no, about twenty years now, they've been doing a lot of stadium, like the big shows they've been doing have been in stadiums. And the only time they've ever had one or two at Tropicana Field is when it was during the pandemic and no fans were showing up. It was all virtual. Sure. sure. Uh, welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, just us two today. It's our final show of the week. 537-1350 is our number. We'll be joined by K-State head baseball coach Pete Hughes at 510. I do want to talk back cats a little bit later in this hour as well. Speaking of Satchel Paige, he might be my favorite baseball player of all time. I've been playing um, MLB The Show, mm-hmm. the latest game that came out, and they, they have put in this year's game – their storylines is about mm-hmm. some of the best players in the Negro Leagues mm-hmm. and the guy that runs the museum, or like yeah. the general manager of the museum or whatever. Bob Kendrick. Is, mm-hmm. He is featured in the game telling the stories of these players. Have you listened to his podcast? I've not. Okay. Uh, 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 what is the name of it? Uh, Diamonds. Um, but I'll have to look it up again for you. Have you read Larry Dye's biography of Satchel Page? I don't read. Okay. I could loan it's it to no. you. I could loan it to you, but, you know, I guess that's a no. If you had the audio book, I'd be interested. <laughs> but the thing is, like, so I, I, I've been playing those storylines uh, because I'm a big gamer. And MLB The Show is actually one of my favorite uh, sports video games. Madden continues to suck. FIFA would be at the top. And I think MLB The Show would be second best. Black Diamonds Okay, is the name of the podcast. The Satchel Page storyline was first. And just hearing the story of Satchel Page, like I'd hear, heard some details about his pitching, of course, but naming the pitches, mm-hmm. and there'd be at times where he was just dominating that they would pull off, pull like defensive players out one by one as he continued to pitch because nobody could hit right off of Satchel Page and his cockiness as well. I was like, this is my kind of guy. Baseball needs more Satchel Pages. Agreed. Who's the uh, I'm 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 blanking on Buck O'Neill, of course, is is featured in there, but there was also a manager slash player that was huge in making the Negro Leagues what it was, and I can't remember his name, but he was a bigger guy, uh, and he was also a pitcher. Yeah, the I just saw it mentioned the other day. Give me a moment. I think he was, was known for his slider. Let's see, J. L. Wilkinson had him at one point. Might have been him. Yeah, John Wilkinson. Yeah. Anyway, um, before we get really rolling here, I do want to bring up uh, some details that I've learned about our podcast. So there had been a bit of confusion about our podcast ever since we'd announced Spotify was going to be a big player now in our, in, our, in our podcast and that we would be going just to them, right? Mm-hmm. That they have bought out the rights, so to speak, you know, and... Um, so I gave you those details. They weren't exactly true, however, because we're working with a separate company, but they are publishing it to Spotify. So basically, 
the way that we had been previously publishing our podcast, it's actually going to be staying the same. So I've noticed like uh, when it comes to the podcast breakdown, most of our listens come from the Apple podcast app. It'll still be published there. It'll still be published on Google, uh, you know, the Google app or Google, uh, Google is a Google play. Yes. I use Apple podcasts. Uh, so. Essentially Google podcasts. Yes. Um, and of course, Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. It's still going to be published there, other than we're not going to be uploading to SoundCloud anymore. That's the big difference. No more SoundCloud. That was the main source we were uploading to. Now we're uploading to a different company, but it's still going to publish our podcast to the normal spots, except for Spotify. We're going to still put them up at NewsRadioCameIn.com as well. So hopefully that makes things a lot easier on everybody. Um, and always appreciate you listening. You mentioned the uh, player with the player slash owner with the Monarchs, John Donaldson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway, just wanted to make sure we got that right. By the way, I looked up the numbers in the last calendar year: one point two million listens. That's a record, and I really appreciate everybody that has still continued to listen uh, throughout the years and throughout the uh, last season here for K State Athletics. Um, all right, so. This was really cool yesterday. I want to shout out Cole Manbeck for sharing this article headline. Now, when it comes to the way we're doing our podcast now, because we have sold out and was selling out, we are actually not allowed to play (laughs) commercial music anymore. Correct. As in copyright music. So with number one song of the day, and I hate saying this, it, it, it is a bit of a bummer. But it's you know it's just unfortunately it's a change we're going to be making. The number one song of the day will no longer be on the podcast, but it will still be doing it live. That is not going away. We're still going to do it. We just can't post it to the podcast anymore. But with what Cole Manbeck, co-host of uh, Powercat Gandy with myself and Dy, uh, also on the Three Mall podcast, he shared that uh, K State had a hand in helping a rapper get into. The Billboard chart once again. So I can't play the copyright music, but I can play unofficial instrumentals. Get ready to start clapping. I think Tang said, uh, in his interview with R.J. Garcia, that he actually doesn't know a single lyric from the um, from this song, "Low Down" by Lil Baby. Not only that, but that he was relying on Naquan to give him the beat. It's a good beat. I'm bobbing to it. Troy's not, but maybe he'll come around someday. Uh, according to Trevor Anderson of Billboard, Lil Baby's "Low Down" went top ten on the Hot Rap Songs chart because of K-State and this song kind of being their unofficial theme song for the run in the NCAA tournament. We'd all seen the videos of them in the locker rooms. I think it also helps that Jerome Tang, who is, of course, featured in the videos a lot, especially, I think it was Sports Illustrated that put one up, starts, you know, close in on Tang, then pans over to the team, clapping or dancing along to the music. I think it also helps Tang has a little bit of rhythm. Rhythm goes a long way. That Billboard article is actually a week old. 
And I didn't see it until yesterday, like probably everybody else. And the, and the sucky thing about Billboard is you got to subscribe and pay to read any of the articles or see any of the charts. It's really annoying. It's actually no longer on the top 10 hot raps charts. So it was there for, I believe, a week, and now it's gone. Now, don't let that take away from K-State what I'm calling giving Lil Baby the Stranger Things push. So Netflix, if you remember, if you've watched Stranger Things this past season, and I've watched it, that Stranger Things featured two songs that both jumped back into the charts, thanks to Stranger Things, and both songs from the 80s. The one I loved mostly was Master of Puppets by Metallica, and shout out to the Hellfire Club, and Eddie. Eddie became the, the big-time popular character from this past season. Now, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but at one point in the series, he's shredding to Master of Puppets. Well, because of that, and it being featured on Stranger Things, a very popular TV show, Master of Puppets became a top 40 Billboard Hot 100 hit, and it peaked at number 35. The other song was Kate Bush, Running Up That Hill. And it got so big once again, started playing again on Z96.3. And the previous run for Kate Hill and that song Running Up That Hill was at number 30. Oh, there you go. Back when I was in college, by the way. Because of Stranger Things, Running Up That Hill made it up to number four. I had always loved that song. There have been covers of that song that I think I like a little better, honestly. I'm a fan of Kate Bush's voice, though, and yeah. so that's a big reason why. So let's take you back to Lil Baby's Lowdown. Cats make it cool. People start stealing what the cats are doing because it's cool. K-State became the fun, popular kid with its run in the NCAA tournament. With that... Plus, of course, like Marquise Noel and the team winning games and the dunking and the no-look passes. Yeah, it's going to attract some folks. Plus, social media grabbed a hold of what K-State was doing pregame, and people loved it. So much so, Lil Baby, his first run would low down in 2020, because this is a three-year-old song, was not a hit. It peaked at number 50. On the Billboard Hot 100... On the R&B and hip-hop chart, peaked at number 15. But thank you to the Cats, it's now a little bit bigger than it once was. And I'm sure the streaming numbers are through the roof right now, or it was, I mean, for a little while. I, I, I think this will definitely you know dwindle down after a while. Things will calm down. I don't know if this is going to last. I think it would be sweet if it did. But the wrestler, the wrestling booker in my mind is thinking, you know, maybe next year the song changes. And they help another artist that needs the push to get some listens. It's not the first time, though, a TV show and a movie had repopulized a song, but it doesn't happen very often in sports. And this is where I think this is this is where the story gets really cool. A couple of I'm thinking off the top of my head, I'm, Wayne's World and Bohemian Rhapsody became really popular once again when it was in the beginning of Wayne's World. I mean, heck, it got to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 after Wayne's World. Um, Unchained Melody from the Righteous Brothers. Mm. Can you think of the movie? 
Yes, Ghost. Ghost, absolutely. Big jump for them when Ghost was put, was released. And then if you want a TV example, uh, Carry On My Wayward Son, for the show, I've never seen it, but it's the theme to Supernatural. And I know a lot of people have seen that show. I haven't, but I know it's popular. So I got to thinking, in sports, this doesn't happen too often because the music you typically hear in sports, so you'll have like the modern music that the team will warm up to, but you've always had the stadium hits. And typically they become stadium hits pretty much from the get-go. And it's, your, it's, it's still the typical songs. It doesn't evolve a whole lot. But there's one song I can, I can, I can remember that was, in a way, like it's kind of the same situation. K-State started using it. It was a K-State thing at first. And then because of a movie in this, in this example, it became big. And people started to realize, oh, this is a pretty neat tradition. We're going to steal it and kind of make it our own. And now it's everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. Sweet Caroline. The Boston Red Sox were the only team that I'd ever heard to use it. And it was their eighth inning song. Fever Pitch comes out starring Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. And they're hearing the sweet Caroline and the bump, bump, bump. Good times never seem so good. So good, so good, so good. You can argue, and I would definitely say this, that the bump, bump, bums and the so good, so good, so good made the song better. When you clap along to Lil Baby's Lowdown, to me, that made the song better. It made it more catchy. And it became bigger for the artist, like Sweet Caroline did for Neil Diamond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When people got a hold of it because of sports. I Every time I hear that song, I feel like the owner in Major League sitting in the box when they start playing wild thing oh the the lady yes i oh gotcha 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 yeah i i think we had talked about this earlier this week yeah not a fan of sweet caroline it's kind of yeah it's like okay kind of over people still love it though people still love it, it it's pretty rare and i i think i hope we remember this as how rare something like this is Rarely does sports have that opportunity to take a song, make it big once again. And I mean, Lil Baby, going back to uh, that You Discover Music article that it came out yesterday and it talked about K-State's run to the tourney, making Lil Baby's Lowdown an unofficial theme song. Well, actually, most of that article was kind of just promoting Lil Baby's tour that was announced recently and tickets just went on sale. I And he's doing, a, he's doing an arena tour, like Big city arena to- tour. Tickets are now on sale. I mean, the early sales are pretty trash. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was looking because, and here's the deal, K-State. Just to kind of throw this idea out there, August 15th, that's my birthday, by the way, uh, in Denver, 
August 17th in St. Louis, hey, August 16th is an open date, kind of, you know, in between St. Louis and uh, in Denver. I'm just saying if you want a cash grab, try to book something. This is probably your only opportunity while it's still kind of cool and still kind of fresh. All right, when we come back, let's get to uh, K-State baseball the next two weekends. In my opinion, gigantic for K-State baseball. Tell you why next. During the break, I may have just written a movie in my head uh, because I got to thinking, like, I started comparing uh, the 2022-23 K-State basketball team to the 4 Red Sox. <laughs> Boy, how the, how the mind can run wild sometimes. So I got to thinking, I was like, well, you know, the uh, 4 Red Sox, <laughs> that was the first year for Cherry Francona. Sweet Caroline blows up. Now, they did win a World Series for the first time in forever. Case they didn't quite get to the natty. I'm still going to run with the... Uh, I'm still going to run with the comparison there. <laughs> Movie made. <laughs> Little baby blew up thanks to the cats. There you go. Little baby needed the cats. The cats delivered. It is the game on K-Man, Mitch Fortner, and Troy Coverdale. 537-1350 is the number. Later in the hour, the latest mock draft from NFL.com has a cat going in the first round. You could probably guess who that is, but where do they have him projected? To me, it's no surprise whatsoever. Also coming up in hour number two, we're going to hear from uh, K-State head baseball coach Pete Hughes before the Cats travel to Lawrence. Tomorrow they face the Jayhawks. That'll open up a three-game series against KU. And uh, actually, I was looking at the series. K-State leads it by six games. It's a close one. But it's one of the rare sports uh, that K-State actually has a series lead over the um, over the KU Jayhawks. Uh, let, let let's talk about the K State baseball team for just a moment. They're twenty one and fourteen, six and six in Big Twelve play, and this series is kind of like the halfway mark of Big Twelve play. They've played four series, and now they're heading into the second half of the of the Big Twelve slate with some, by the way, very tough competition waiting on the other side of the KU series. We're talking three straight top twenty five teams as the um, the regular season will come to an end against TCU at Toyton Family Stadium. Um, I recorded the interview earlier today with Pete Hughes, and we'll play it back at 510. But, you know, getting prepped for that interview, I started looking at the numbers. I was looking at the record. I was like, okay, well, I mean, to me, 21 wins and being at 500 at this point right now in the conference, it feels like a start. And where like the season is at currently compared to the other seasons is better than what we've had recently. Well, there was a couple of years ago. I mean, K State had, I mean, was starting to knock on the door forty wins. Didn't quite get there. They were a few games short, but still missed the NCAA tournament. And that's kind of where the conversation has now turned for K State. Is exactly where is K State in a position right now to actually make the NCAA tournament? Are they right now in the field? Are they on the outside looking in? Are they a ways away and still have a lot of work to do? My answer to that would be a bit of both when it comes to on the outside looking in and still need a lot of work to do. 
Um, K-State does have a couple of uh, pretty rough losses on the resume. St. Thomas losing the second game of that two-game series was not a was not a help whatsoever. Um, losing a couple, I, I mean, I don't think there's a ton of bad losses. Let's just put it that way. There's not a lot of like rough resume losses. I think sweeping Oklahoma was a pretty big deal. You didn't want to lose one of those games because Oklahoma, just in my opinion. If you look at the number, is not exactly solid this year. But the reason that these next seven games or so are crucial is because this could really launch K-State when it comes to the RPI. RPI is a big part of deciding who gets into the NCAA tournament. It makes it to a regional. Well, where K-State sits right now is 89th. But before the last four games they played, which they won one of three at Texas – a top 25 team on the road, which K-State is better on the road this year. And then one in seven innings and crushed Creighton 10-0. And that was a they, – they swept Creighton this year. Now, Creighton is kind of close to 500, but they're most likely going to be a top-half team in the Big East. So it's pretty big to sweep a team like Creighton at home and on the road. But after the KU series, you got Wichita State at home. And then you go on the road for a three-game series at UC Irvine. That's where I think it gets big. It's non-con action, but you have an opportunity to not only pick up wins on the road, but you have an opportunity to pick up wins against a team that's top 60 in the RPI. Before the last four games, K-State was in the 100s. And I think over the last four games, they've they've jumped like 30 or 40 spots. So if K-State, I mean, if they sweep KU... That's ginormous. Winning two of three would be great. That's the goal. Win two of three and win a road series in Big 12 play. If you can steal a couple at UC Irvine, then you're really talking like K-State is knocking on the door of postseason play. It just gets really tough after you play UC Irvine. One of the flaws with where they sit right now, if you take that Oklahoma series out of the mix, it's been one and two, one and two. One and two the rest of the way, putting them at three and six otherwise. Six and six looks good for the Cats right now, but you've got the fact that it was one series that built them to that. True. I will I will respond to that with at least they're not getting swept. True. And to me that's a big difference because they won one time on the road in Big Twelve play last year. One time. And K-State's been really competitive on Fridays. The Texas game was a great example of that where they're up, gosh, 5-1. to one. Owen Borma is just cruising. He is got 12 strikeouts heading to the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. Maybe he stayed a little bit too long. I don't know. Like I'm not the expert there. But w- what he did at the University of Northwestern, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota, it's a D3 school, that's what he did. I mean, he it wasn't uncommon for him to go into a game and a start and throw 120 pitches. It's not something he's he's used to it. And things just didn't work out in the eighth inning and the in the the Longhorns rallied. I mean, Casey was probably an inning or two away from winning that series. So that that leads me to my next point is and I think you hear a lot of baseball managers or coaches They'll say this when when you're in a position like K-State is you're almost there from breaking through. You're almost there. You have the pieces. You just need them to play together, be focused, 
limit mistakes, and keep that consistent. That sounds very coachy, but to me that's where K-State is because they have the pieces. The return of Kalen Culpepper at third base, a tremendous third baseman. And by the way, he's hitting over 300. A very important bat that has returned, has returned at a very crucial time. K-State has had a pretty solid pitching this year, in my opinion. It just hasn't been solid consistently, but they have the pieces. Cats have a tough infield, and I, I got to say, Roberto Pena, the last few weeks, has been great. Great first baseman, and he has power. That's another thing. K-State still has the power, but I want to mention, like, to back up, like, the case, Cats have pe- the pieces this year. They lead the entire country in walks. So there is, you know, they have discipline at the pay, plate. They have an eye for the ball, discipline at the plate, lead the entire country in walks. They're aggressive. They, they're seventh in the country in stolen bases. They have 85 this year. K-State does. They had 42 all of last year. 42. And they're at 85 this year. The Cats are 25th in the country in on-base percentage. That's another pretty solid piece of info that K-State offensively has some really good pieces. And to be honest with you, heading into the season, I was pretty worried about that because you had a number of guys that were not starters last year. They did a little bit, but they were not you know, the go-to guys. And I'm talking like Brady Day at second base, Cash Rugely, who's been playing in right field. And now they're, they're some of your best hitters. Cash Rugely has been phenomenal at the plate. Not only is he the best hitter, but he's also probably your go-to guy for a sacrifice or a sack bunt. So, like, talk about a guy that can go up there and do anything for you. Nick Goodwin, excellent shortstop, hitting the ball well. Sack fly guy. He'll do what he needs to do to get you guys around the bases. The thing is, like, K-State does kind of sometimes run into some issues of leaving guys on, leaving way too many guys on and not bringing them home. That is where maybe offensively need to see a little bit of consistency as well. But I'm telling you, Cats have the pieces to make a run to the postseason. Run to the postseason. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years since K-State's been in a regional. There's just a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Hopefully, just fingers crossed, the pieces fall into place. Let's take another break. When we come back, let's get to that cat that's now projected to be a first-rounder by NFL.com. It's kind of like bracketology of football, right? Yep. I still want to talk about it. It's next. Even though these folks aren't doing the drafting, I am a sucker for mock drafts, and I am a sucker for bracketology. I said it the other day, you've got better hair than Mel Kuyper. Uh, I think someone debate that. Just don't have to worry about the hairspray. True. I think that'd be kind of a sucky gig. You got to sit at a desk for eight hours. And you don't get up. There's no drinking. There's no eating. On draft day, you mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm also not rocking a, what do you call it, a, a pompadour? Am I saying that right? That is correct, yes. Well, the latest mock draft from NFL.com is out. I looked at probably, God, there's a couple of sites that'll give you like 
they'll like give you a hundred mock drafts for one particular pick and just kind of give you who everybody is picking for that pick. So the latest from NFL.com has Felix Andy DK Uzama going in the first round. He's been teetering right there on that line. Very late first round or early second round. Julius Brintz, I've seen him show up on many mod drafts as a second round guy. Uh, let's see. Um, Malik Knowles has been a fourth rounder I've seen. And then Deuce Vaughn, well, unfortunately, there aren't too many mod drafts that go day three. Uh, so, or at least deep into deep three, or day three. So, well, first of all, let me just say this. All these mod drafts are making a mistake not putting Deuce Vaughn in the first round. I made that argument on Tuesday. I gave you multiple bullet points on why Deuce Vaughn should be a first rounder. If not the first overall pick, people are going to regret it. Uh, meanwhile, but Deuce is like right now projected sixth or seventh round. Uh, they're underestimating the size, you know. That's what it is. But Chiefs fans, I, I, I'm i sure you've heard plenty of this. That Felix Indy DK Uzama is proje- projected to go to Kansas City in the first round. Now, just picture that for just a moment. I think Felix will first of all get invited to the draft. Kansas City kid. It's not because he's a Kansas City kid, though. Because he's projected to go late first or maybe early second because they're inviting now some guys that are you know pro- high projected draft picks but go in the second round nothing wrong with that Felix should absolutely be invited Kansas City in that 31st pick and also let me say this there's only 31 picks in the first round that's because the Miami Dolphins lost their first round pick uh, just throw out a name there Flores but Kansas City has a couple of options that these mock draft experts think Kansas City will go in. It's either going to address the offensive line or the defensive line. Defensive line, they're looking to replace Frank Clark. Frank Clark, free agent. Too much controversy around him. Great player. But Kansas City said bye-bye. Meanwhile, when it comes to the offensive line, now I felt like Kansas City had addressed this with Jawan Taylor when they signed him from the Jaguars to play tackle, but now there's some people thinking uh, they might go offensive tackle in the first round. Out of all the mod drafts I've seen today, uh, I have seen, and I've counted them. Now, I'm only kind of doing this because I think it's a really great tease. 15. 15 mod drafts had Felix Andy DK Uzama going to the Chiefs. But this happens every year. I just want to point that out. I think this happens every year that there's always a rumor that a cat is going to be drafted by the Chiefs. I've already heard the rumor that Dallas is going to draft Deuce Vaughn. That'd be awesome. I I would mark out so much if Deuce Vaughn got that selection. But you know it's 1 in 32 chance of that happening. But that would be a pretty sick story if Felix does get picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs because he told us during his pro day he lives 10 miles from Union Station, a Kansas City kid. All right, we'll wrap up our number one of the game when we come back. The cutest moment in NBA history probably took place last night. That's next.
Troy, when you put your bet on last night's Bulls-Raptors game, did you account for little girl yelling in the stands and messing up the Raptors on the free throws? She owes me money. Did you lose your bet? I did. What was the bet exactly? I had I had a Raptors money line as the <laughs> capper to uh, my, my parlay. Yes. Oh, man. I hit three of four on the parlay, but the money line lost. Oh, a nine-year-old girl screwed you out of some cash. She owes me money. I want my $2. If you missed it last night, Bulls beat the Raptors in their playing game, or whatever they're calling it. Uh, 109-105, the final score, and a Bulls comeback victory. I remember asking my dad one time if I could skip school to play a new video game. He told me no. But for DeMar DeRozan, who plays for the Bulls, his daughter had been begging him to let her have one day off of school so she could go watch him play in the playoffs. He's like, all right, this one time. So she's sitting pretty close to courtside. And uh, every time the Raptors shot a free throw, she would scream at them. I wish I had the audio here, but the Raptors are not a good free throw shooting team, but they're like at 75%. That's not a very solid percentage for the NBA. However, last night, after hearing a little girl scream every time, and this game was in Toronto, right? No. Oh, it was in Chicago? Yep. But every time the Raptors would shoot a free throw, she would scream at him. The Raptors were 18 for 36. 50%. Chicago came back and won that game. That's a sweet story. That's my, might be one of my favorite NBA stories of all time. Spike Lee's taking lessons. Hour to the game. Pete Hughes. Next, so it's your local news.